0: All right, welcome again to Biblical Insights. My name is Pat, and I am going to be your host tonight. We're going to continue in... Our pursuit of studying the messianic prophecies in the Hebrew Scripture, I think it's an art that is going away, and uh, people want to—they uh, want to misinterpret the idea of getting back to our. Are the Jewishness of the, the Gospels and the Jewishness of our Christian faith, thinking that it's this part of this Hebrew roots movement that that you have to do the festivals, you have to do uh, this the Jewish uh, whatever rituals by the law, the food and all that, in order to understand uh, the Gospels. Well, I disagree with that. Uh, can we learn from the festivals? Absolutely. Can we partake in the festivals? Uh, yeah, I recommend it. We should partake in the festivals, uh, but not as a mandatory thing, but as something just to learn about our, uh, our background of where our faith started. W- when you think about it, uh, Jesus, it might blow some people's minds, but Jesus was a Jew, okay? Uh, he, he's always been a Jew. He is still Jewish. As he sits on the right hand of the Father, he is Jewish. And the, the church, the founding fathers of our church were all Jewish. Uh, there's some argument about whether Luke was uh, Jewish, a uh, Hellenized Jew. So, but the fact is, even if he was uh, Gentile, he hung out with, with all the Jewish people. And all the disciples were Jewish, that's unmistakable. And when you h- hang out with, like my dad used to say, well, you hang out with the hoodlums, you're gonna be a hoodlum. That was I grew up back in the eighties. So uh, sometimes he, he was right. Uh, but you start absorbing uh, not only the speech of the people that you hang out with, but their their actions and their thought process, uh, and how you see things, the worldview that you that you have. So, of course, Luke, when he's writing, he's going to be writing with a Jewish twist. Even though he was a he was a physician, he was uh, a Greek physician. he's still, because of who he is and who he hung out with, he's going to have a Jewish twist to his writings uh but all the other everyone else who wrote in the uh, new testament and eh, also like in the old testament uh i mean we're looking at their jewish writer it's a jewish book it was wrote uh, written originally to the jewish people like romans 1 says for i am not ashamed of the gospel for i'm paraphrasing a little bit uh because it was the power from the gospel which we are saved uh, to the Jew first, and then also to the Gentiles, to the Jew first. Why? Because it was to the Jews that Jesus or that God gave the prophets, the law and the writings. it was to the Jews, and the Jews are supposed to be a light unto the world. okay? Paul went to where the synagogues to teach first, and then he went out to the Gentiles, the outside the courts. So he was always trying to win his own people over first. And when you look at Matthew 24, when you look at all the different, and I know this is like a review, I've talked about this multiple times, but I think it's really, really important to understand that when we talk about and we look at our gospels, it is obviously from a Jewish mindset to only, to totally understand uh, the gospels. I mean, we can still understand uh, just reading and. From uh, I'm, I'm a Gentile, a, a Goyim. It's a, it's a. I'm a Gentile. I'm part of the nations, and it, the nations are anything other than Jews. So when you're we're talking about like the the nations in the Old Testament, we're talking about the law, uh, the Davidic covenant, and the Abrahamic covenant. We're talking about the nations. We're talking about anything in anyone other than Jews outside of Jew or the the Jewish race, God's chosen people. That's who the nations are, and the Goyim, us, the the Gentiles. That's not to say that he doesn't love us more or just as much or love the Jews more and, and us less. He he loves us all equally. God loves all equally, but it was given to the Jews first in order to bring the gospel, to be a light unto the world. And it's not that hard to understand, but I think it's really important to understand that in order to get the total flavor of the message. We can still understand it. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear something that I'm not saying. We we still have salvation. Whether you study the Jewishness of our faith or not, we still have a salvation. We still learn and we have salvation by uh, faith alone and grace alone in Jesus alone. That doesn't change the fact. But doesn't it make sense to understand who Jesus was and his Jewishness, because obviously he's going to teach and the other disciples are going to be teaching with a Jewish flavor to everything that they say and do. Even though they're talking to Gentiles, like Paul was a Gentile, was the apostle to the Gentiles. He's still going to be teaching and he's still going to be talking in that Jewish mindset. Why? (laughs) Because he was a Jew. I mean, there's no way around it. So how are you gonna understand your wife? Let's say your wife is Cuban or your wife is uh, uh, Italian or your wife is from Hong Kong or whatever ethnic background your your spouse, let's just say your spouse is, your wife or your husband, to fully understand that individual where their thinking comes from. Maybe someone grew up in a, in a, a very impoverished nation, let's say in Haiti or something like that. I'm not picking on the Haitian people, but I'm just saying, if you come up in a in a uh, where things are hard to come by, food is is scarce, or you live in uh, in huts or, or whatever, whatever. I'm not saying that Haitian people live like that, but I'm just saying, given that as an example, they're gonna they're gonna value the the their their stuff more because that's all they have, and they're gonna value that, I'm not saying being materialistic or something like that, but they're not gonna be just flaunting their stuff around like their their food or something like that. They're gonna be very uh, frugal with it. So to understand that background, why your spouse is the way they are, it helps to understand the background with or from that individual, where they're coming from, why they think the way they do, why they do the things that they do. That's how we need to approach God's word is to understand God more. God used men. Okay. Obviously, that's that's a no brainer. God used men to write the Bible. Okay. Inspired by his spirit, the Holy Spirit inspired men. So, but they used these individuals, their personalities in in writing. Okay. Obviously, the Holy Spirit inspired them what to write. But not necessarily how to write it. Okay, Paul's going to use his Roman Pharisaical way of writing. Luke is going to write as a uh, as a physician. Matthew being a tax collector. Okay, really meticulous, and he's going to be very meticulous in the things he writes. John. He's ta- he's teaching the 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 deity uh, the divineness of Jesus. So God uses their personalities in order to understand, uh, in order for us to understand who Yeshua was or is. And the audience plays a big factor too. Matthew spoke to predominantly the Jews. Okay, so when you look at that, it makes sense when it comes to their their different writing skills, their techniques, their how they wrote. Uh, so I think it's kind of a long intro, but going back to the messianic prophecy prophecies, when we look at the writers and how they wrote and why they wrote and the words. They wrote that ch- they chose certain words for a reason. Like when you look at in uh, Romans 1:16, when it says to the Jew first, proton meaning especially above all, uh, it doesn't mean oh it went to the Jews first and they blew it. So now we're going to go to the Greeks and then we're the Gentiles and then we're going to go to uh, the Italians and then we're going to go to I don't know the Scottish. So like that's what it me- that's not what it means. It it means especially above all else. The gospel goes to them first, above all. It's like Matthew 6:33. Uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, not seek the kingdom of God, and then seek money, second, and then seek fame, third, and then seek women or or men, whatever, fourth. That's not what he's talking about. It means above all else, and then especially. I don't see how, I don't know how else I can explain that, but it doesn't mean numerical order. It means above all else, seek Christ and his righteousness. And then all these other things are going to fall into place as long as we put him first, above all else, above our football, above our soccer, above our trucks, or fill in the blank if we seek him above all else. So understanding the context, understanding the words that the, the writers chose, who they were speaking or who they were speaking to makes a huge difference in understanding and getting the full grasp of the gospel message, not just the gospel but everything else like the messianic prophecies. Okay, the Jews were looking for when they read scripture in Zechariah, they were looking for they saw two different messiahs, uh, Messiah ben Joseph and Messiah ben David, the Messiah, son of Joseph, who's going to be the suffering Messiah, Zechariah 9:9, 9, 9, and 9.9 9, and first and 10. And then they were looking for Messiah ben David, uh in Zechariah, what? Zechariah 14, the the conquering Messiah. Well, they were looking for two different appearances and two different messiahs whereas we see one messiah coming two different times and, and I was reading the other day and I was I, I was trying to understand it Messiah been Joseph okay and people have said that it was meaning uh Joseph uh son of or Joseph from the who was sold one of the brothers that were sold into uh slavery and became the houseboy or the house servant of Potiphar then he was in jail and then he brought and then he ended up being second in charge in Egypt brought his family in there uh but i started thinking about it who was Who literally, who was Yeshua's, who was Jesus's earthly father? Joseph. Most likely adopted into that family, Joseph and Mary. Okay? So, when you literally say Messiah ben Joseph, Messiah son of Joseph, why didn't they see that? So, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come, but he did, and he fulfilled the Zach he fulfilled the Messiah Ben Joseph in their own belief, in their own writings. They they missed it because he did come in Messiah ben Joseph, because his earthly father was Joseph, the carpenter. I don't know why I didn't see that. So now we're waiting for a second coming, which would be Messiah, Ben David, the conquering, the king, uh, and that's just going to be a glorious, glorious time. So, understanding the the words that are used and understanding the Jewishness of our faith, and it's it's not going to create our faith in a sense, but it's going to enrich our faith. It's going it, to it's going to make that that bond even deeper. Uh, with Yeshua, and it's going to make that bond even deeper with uh, with our Lord and Savior, uh, and with God, I mean, with, with uh, Yahweh. So understanding some of these things is just, to me, is fascinating, and I hope it's fascinating to you also, and I'm just sharing from my heart. I've said this multiple times. I don't care if I get uh, a half a dozen or a hundred views or listens or whatever. That doesn't matter to me. Okay, what matters to me is if one person can listen and and it, it inspires that one individual to go and learn and research for themselves the Jewishness of our faith, then, or just enriches their faith and makes them search themselves the scripture, then it's totally worth it. And it's not like, oh, I've done my job. It has nothing to do with it. I am just sharing as I'm learning these things in scripture. I am Sharing what I'm what I'm learning, and and I'm enjoying sharing what I'm learning, and it's gonna it's not going to stop, and that's going to be the focus. Uh, again, that's a really long introduction, but we're going to be looking at for tonight. I probably won't finish it tonight, but we're going to look at uh, one of the prophecies, and it's going to be the suffering of the Messiah. It's going to be the suffering and the exaltation of the Messiah, and we're going to look at it in Psalm. 22 and that's where we're going to be the entire for the rest of this or tonight and probably uh for another night uh probably do maybe try to do another part two of this same message excuse me but uh not wait till next week but try to do it uh, a little bit maybe it'll be a little smaller message but try to finish this off so but i'm also i want to do a plug for uh one for israel if you've never if you've never listened to it, we do. I spend a lot of time, obviously I spend a lot of time on YouTube, uh, not just watching crazy stuff, but, but learning. There's vast amount of knowledge that can be learned on YouTube itself. And you still got to weed through some of the crazy stuff. Uh, but I think the fact that One for Israel, and it's a ministry out of Jerusalem, and they have a college, Uh, uh, Israel College of the Bible and it's a ministry through One for Israel where they're teaching uh, Jews about Yeshua Yeshua. they're teaching uh, the Muslim, the Arabs about Yeshua, they're also encouraging uh, just pretty much anyone in the world if they want to learn there's hundreds of videos where they show uh, uh, Jewish people and their story coming to faith in Messiah in Yeshua so I, I really highly recommend watching some of those the, the videos from them and, and learning from them. Uh, Seth Postel, Erez, uh, Soroff, Sor uh, Golan Broshi, they're all doctors, uh, uh, David Mishkin, Dr. David Mishkin, uh, another really good one. These guys are just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that the Jewish flavor of our gospel, and why not come from a Jewish individual who understands and totally knows Judaism, but then you throw Yeshua in, and it completes the story. Because the Bible is just that, it's a its a complete story. So you've got the, the Hebrew scriptures, uh, which is Genesis through Malachi, which is uh, the Tanakh. And then when you add the new covenant, it's just a continuation finishing of the story that God started back in Genesis. So if we have a mindset like that that oh that's the old testament for the Jews and then oh we are of the new testament. No no no, wrong answer. Okay? The Jew the it was the salvation was to the Jew first. We are grafted in. If we understand that concept of grafting in, you have the original olive branch and that's the natural olive branch. This is the nation of, of uh, this is Judaism, this is the nation of Israel, the, the Jewish people and we are just kind of grafted in, we're, we, we're a branch that's grafted into this, this plant God chose the Jewish people, God chose Israel to be a light unto what? The, the world to bring his message to the world doesn't love them more, but he chose them okay, those are God's chosen people Those are his elect for what? They were elected for a purpose. Okay. Not John Calvin, not Martin Luther. No, the the Jewish people were elected and selected for a purpose. Okay. But we are also grafted into that. And I don't feel like I'm in second place at all. I don't feel like I'm in second place. I feel God loves me just as much as he loves my Jewish neighbor. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. But, when God entrusts you with a message, His message, to go out to the world, then you have that that special. I would say requirement, the the duty, the honor, to go and do that. Okay, so holding them in high regards is is honoring what God wants them to do. And the best thing we can do for the Jewish people is pray for them. Pray for them so they come to the knowledge of Yeshua. Okay. So let's look at Psalm 22. And obviously I'm not going to get through this whole thing tonight because there's a lot in this prophecy as far as the suffering Messiah of uh, Psalm 22. So when when we look at the verses, uh, we find the the Messiah, and this is very, you, you can see it from calgary when he was on the cross uh and we look at the verses and we find the messiah crying out in anguish okay let's look at verses one uh this is we're gonna spend the entire time in psalm 22 and it says my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning okay oh my god I cry in the daytime but you do not hear and in the night season and I am not silent so verses 1 and 2 okay we very familiar with this Jesus while he was on the cross he cries out to his father why have you forsaken me God the Father cannot look upon sin Okay, our punishment, the wages of uh, Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death. God created that. He has that. It goes all the way back to the garden. Okay, something we sinned, something had to die. Okay, blood was shed because of our iniquity, our transgression. Against who? Not our Catholic priest and not some Mormon bishop, our transgression is against God Himself. Okay, He created this. If you don't like the what the the universe that that God created, well, I'm sorry. Uh, go create your own. Sorry, yeah, you can't. But my point is, it's it's His game. It, it it's the only game in town. Okay, one way or the other, you're gonna bow a knee, okay? Whether it's voluntary or it's involuntary. But one way or the other, you are going to, we are going to bow a knee to the creator of this universe, okay? And if you don't believe in God, okay, you know what? Uh, You're going to be one of the involuntary ones. There's too much evidence out there. I'm not even going to get into it. There's too much evidence proving the, the existence of the universe that was created, not happened By chance okay just look at our eyeballs for one look at any part of the universe that it screams creation but my point is is transgression is against god it's not against a man so blood had to be shed so god cannot look upon uh sin and when jesus was on the cross what did he do he took upon the sins of the world of all the sins that had happened already past tense all the sins that were happening right then okay present tense and where we are right now future tense all these have already he, he laid his life down for all this past present future sins so of course god cannot look upon sin that would be the hardest thing to turn your face turn your back when your loved one that you're you're one and only uh, was, had that anguish and all that, the wrath of God, the, all the wrath of God. Imagine, just just you for a second, think about the sins that you have created or that you have done. And I, I'll think of the same, I don't want to think of all the sins that I've done, but you think of all the sins that you have done in your lifetime alone, and those were poured out on Jesus, Okay. So just like any of our sins that you look at Romans chapter 1, 18 through 32, you look at any of those sins, those are all punishable by death. That is not inheriting the kingdom of God. Okay, any of those sins. Okay, then you are in outer darkness. You are in Gehenna. You are forever, eternity in hell. Okay, for those sins. If you're not repentant, or repented of it. You don't put your trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, That is the only way, okay? Okay, that's what Jesus said, okay? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one comes to the Father except through Him, okay? John 14, 6. But our sins, if one individual, that sin put Jesus on the cross, He would have still died for that one individual, you or just me, He would have died. God still would have had to have turned his back on him because he cannot look upon sin and not be just. Okay. But he laid his life down for right now. We got seven billion people in the world right now that are living. How many billions of people have lived since Genesis 1? Okay, so think about that, all those sins, when all the people that, that died in the flood, okay, well, guess what? They died for them, okay? But God only found those individuals that were righteous in the Ark. Then after that, look at all the individuals who have sinned and have died. Even like Abraham, it was because of his belief in the Messiah, that a Messiah hit it was counted righteousness. It's because his his foreknowledge, not foreknowledge, but his believing in uh of the the Messiah, a Messiah, that it was accounted righteousness to him. So all the people that have died, that's how much sin. Just, just trying to think about that sin, all that sin at one time being poured out on one individual, all that wrath, that all that sin that he took upon himself, and all that wrath from God, though just un. Bridled just all that wrath on God that's what Jesus did for you and we turn around we spit in his face and we turn around and do all the things that we're doing right now in our culture are you kidding me it just it's repulsive what we have done what we have said what we're still saying in the news when it comes to what Jesus did on the cross So when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not saying that God just like threw him out and forgot about him. That was the hardest thing. Look at what he said when he was baptized. Look, my son in whom I am well pleased. Knowing, knowing when he said that, when he came out of the water, that he was going to the cross and die a violent death that was prophesied hundreds of years earlier that he was going to die a certain way that hadn't even been invented yet. Tell me again why you don't believe in prophecy. Tell me again why this book that we call the Bible is not inspired. Because when it was prophesied hundreds of years before the actual event tool that the Romans used wasn't even invented and it was prophesied that our Messiah would die that way just that alone we got to sit back and think about in whom do I or in what do I put my trust in I put my trust in Yeshua, the son of God. I have people that I love that do not. That breaks my heart. But what I can do is just is is pray for them. Still show them love and pray for them that somebody on the outside other than me is going to be there to share Yeshua with them. That's what I have to do. But when we look at the verse in Psalm, I definitely won't get through this tonight, but when we look at Psalm 22 and just verses 1 through 2, in verse 2, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. Can you imagine being a father or being a child, and you're, you're in pain, and you're crying out to your Father, and that is the feeling you have, that, and you do not hear. That's just hard. That's hard to think about. Because Jesus' humanity was crying out, uh, again, for you and for me the things that we've done. It's just, it's still, to to me, it's unfathomable. And I have a hard time just trying to grasp that still. So, it was no accident that these are very words that Jesus cried out while he was on the cross. Uh, He quoted these words after a period of about three hours of intense darkness. Okay, during those three hours, the entire wrath of God uh, due to the sin of Israel and the world was just poured on him. Just think about that. This is the one and only place in the gospel accounts that Yeshua addresses God as my God. On every other occasion, over and over, Yeshua says the Father or my Father. Okay. It is made very clear that Yeshua enjoyed a, a special uh, uh, relationship with, with God. Okay on the cross however it was his humanity okay yeshua was dying for the sins of the world and was experiencing a judicial relationship because of god being a just god he's also a merciful god but he was a just god all the way back into back to genesis okay justice cannot go unpunished okay it can't so so not a parental. It was a judicial relationship with God. It wasn't a parental one. Since his cry out, my God, my God, instead of my father, my father, okay? It was my God. Like, I am not going to sit there and cry out. I don't have that same relationship. Neither do you. That same relationship with God as 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 Yeshua did. Yeshua, that was his father. I and my father are one. So, There was that that unity. There was that unique relationship that that Yeshua had with with Yahweh uh, that we don't have. Okay, We can have intimate, He is my Father in Heaven. Yes, I can say that. You can say that. We can say that He is our Father in Heaven if we put our trust in Christ. If we put our trust in Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, and repent from our sins, we have... He is our father in heaven. But when when Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't my father, okay? He was the judge, okay? He was judge. He, his justice had to be poured out on this earth, knowing that if, if that didn't happen, nobody, if Jesus never went to the cross, not one person was righteous enough to inherit the kingdom of God because of our sin nature back into Genesis. So it had to happen. So the entire population of the world, past, present, future depended on that moment when God poured out his wrath and the the wrath of all the cumulative sin on that moment, on that one individual, Yeshua, had to happen. So that moment, he was not the father, he wasn't a parental figure, he was my God, and it was a judicial relationship with that. So then we can look at verses uh, 3 through 5. But you are holy, enthroned in the uh, uh, praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you, they trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. So we can look at these verses, recount the past deliverances of God. God is fully able to deliver, yet is choosing not to do so sometimes. They can deliver. Look at, look at the entire history of the, the Hebrew scriptures, where uh, they were up and down, up and down, up and down, when they were, they, they would fall away from, from God, fall out of fellowship with God. They'd cry out for a deliverer. In Chronicles, they they would God would send them a judge, or they would send them later on. They'd send them a uh, uh, a prophet, and. They would tell them to turn from your wicked ways, turn back to Israel, and they'd get better. Okay, woo yeah, now I'm better. And then what would happen? They'd go right back down to the bottom of the railroad or uh, the uh, roller coaster. And that's what it was. It was this roller coaster ride through the entire old or the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. That's what's so significant is we were getting so bad that that was the same thing God said instead of sending the prophet the judges or the prophets and doing this like this he he finally said no it's time for Jesus Jesus must go and when they're down at their lowest down here that's when they sent Jesus and Jesus said I've got a way that I can bring you to the top of the hill okay I can bring you out of that mire I can bring you out of that bondage of sin See, where he was in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures, we're talking about uh, the Assyrians, the Greeks, the Medo-Persians, the Romans, the Babylonians. We, all this were, they were in, in bondage. They were taken into captivity. Well, at that time, they were into captivity also under the Romans. We are captives, okay? We were, before we know Yeshua, we were captives of what? We were captives and slaves to sin, okay? So, God sent his son to not just free the Jewish people, but also to free you and I, the Gentiles, from the bondage of sin, from the captivity of sin. So now we are slaves to what? To righteousness. We are slaves to righteousness in Yeshua, Yeshua of Nazareth, my Jewish Messiah your Jewish Messiah you put your trust in him we serve a Jewish Messiah above all else okay and I think we need to start really understanding the history of the of the Hebrew scriptures and how that applies to the New Testament the continuation of the story verses six through eight all right where'd to go there it is six through eight but I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. <clears throat> Excuse me. All those who seek me ridicule me. Okay. They shout, or they, they, yeah, they, sh- they shoot out the hip, or the lip. They shoot out the lip. Sorry about that. They shake their head, saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Okay, that was verse 8. Now think about that for a second. The verses describe the taunts and the, the, the jabbing of this the evil men at the suffering of the Messiah. They're saying, oh, he was up there. Let him save himself. Oh, he saved others. He healed others. Let him save himself. It's prophesied right here. And you can't see This is my Bible right here. But it's prophesied hundreds of years before earlier, again, before crucifixion ever existed, ever was invented, he's prophesying that, look, okay, they despised me, they ridiculed me, wow, and they made fun of him. Oh, you rescued and you saved all these other people, why can't you rescue and save yourself, okay? Just amazing when we start looking at Psalm 22, how Jesus, uh, how how the Bible is so full of the Jewishness of our Gospels, and we read the stories in the New Testament of, uh, name one of the writers, when they talked about the scriptures and stuff like that in the New Testament, what were they quoting? They were quoting the Hebrew scriptures, They, they weren't quoting the New Testament, because either it hasn't been written yet, or they were writing it, okay, one of the two, Uh, So every time they quoted scripture, they were quoting the Hebrew scriptures. So I just want to throw that out there. It was kind of fun. Uh, But anyways, he was definitely quoting, let him deliver him uh, since he delights in him. So they were mocking him because they were doing exactly what was prophesied that they would do. Okay, Uh, verses 9 through 11. But you are he who took me out of the womb he made me tr- or you made me trust while on my mother's breast i was cast upon you from birth from my mother's womb you have been my god uh, what verse 2 through 11 be not far from me for trouble is near for there is none to help these verses state that the messiah was trusted or has trusted in God from his his birth. There are references here to the mother of the Messiah, but as all of the Messianic prophecies, there's never any mention of the human father, of uh, Joseph, like we spoke earlier. There's never any mention of Joseph when it comes to, like Jesus, uh, his like in, in prophecy, his father. The Messiah would be born of a virgin, uh, and it was prophesied in Isaiah 7, 14. We read about that in, uh, during Christmas, all the time, okay, that was just like one of the things that we read during Christmas time, Isaiah uh, 7, 14, that he was going to, uh, the virgin birth, okay, Emmanuel, okay, name him Jesus, mean, interpreting or being meaning translated, uh, God with us, okay, I, I don't know what else to say, I mean, it says right there, God with us, okay, so again, We're talking the scripture, and we're looking at and how it's explaining. Okay, so let's look at uh, 12 through, I don't know, 12 through 18. Okay, and these verses will describe the suffering of the Messiah, and some of these are quoted almost identically in the New Testament. Okay, verses 12 through 18. Obviously, we're still in Psalm 22. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of uh, Bashan, have encircled me. They They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me yeah, you have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. Verse 18. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothes, they cast lots. Wow. Wow. As a Jewish person in the first century, they know the psalm. They're witnessing what was going on in Golgotha. Jesus, well they say it was hanging on a tree because he was cursed. They're reading this description. They know this description. I'm sure Paul was there, okay? Paul was just knew the law, knew the writings back and forth, knew the prophets. Okay, just like I was saying earlier, that, that about Joseph, Messiah Ben Joseph, they knew his son. They mocked him. It's like, oh, isn't he the son of Joseph, the carpenter? Hello. Okay. So reading this is just absolutely just stares in your face. Uh, this is definitely one of the most, besides Isaiah 53, in my opinion, one of the best descriptions of the the crucifixion and what Jesus went through, pierced my hand my, they pierced my hands and my feet and we'll look into it later when it talks about uh, uh, some of the Jewish way they I wish I can remember the way where it was uh, where they believed but they they misinterpreted the idea of they they mistranslated when it talks about Pierce they think it, they mentioned something about lions I'll have to look into that uh, maybe I'll I'll remember and uh, I'll bring it up. If I don't remember tonight, I'll bring it up the next time when I finish this message off. But it's interesting when you, you can read this. They pierce my hands and my feet. Uh, I count all my bones. I mean, none of his bones were broken, okay? They look and they stare at me. They divided my garments among them and for my clothes they cast lots. If you've read any of the... uh descriptions of what happened on calvary what happened to jesus i mean this is like a a play by play narrative of exactly what happened there on the cross what what jesus went through uh my god my god why have you forsaken me Turn, god he turned god turned his back on him because he couldn't look upon he was pouring his wrath out on his son he can't look at either he's He can't look at, so Jesus was looking at him from a judicial standpoint, but God is looking down going, I know what my son had to do, but I can't look upon justice has to be served and he's looking down on him. Was he looking down as a father? I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But Jesus is looking back from a judicial standpoint. Okay? And then you look at this. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. All the people except for, look at all the the Roman soldiers, look at all the Pharisees mocking them. Even the one of the the thieves on the cross mocking him. Uh, I mean, my strength has dried up like a pot shard. My my tongue clings to my jaw, that driedness where you're so thirsty. It's just like sandpaper. And it's just like, whoa. Only thing I can think of is like one of those fly things it's just like everything is so dried up uh that this dust is is clinging to it's just when you think about what he went through on the cross i I keep going back to all the sins that you did what i did is what put him there okay if we were to stay absolutely sinless and perfect which that it would never happen, uh, never did happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, he wouldn't have had to be on the cross. But since that's not even an option in this universe, in this, uh, this realm, uh, I mean, if you're in an alternate universe or something like that, then maybe uh, according to the, the Mormons, you can, whatever, another universe, another planet somewhere, Zebulon or whatever it's called, but still a joke. But anyways. But when you read Psalm twenty-two, the psalmist is obviously been given this by God, by the Holy Spirit, to to write this, and it's a it's it's a the graphic Depiction of what actually happened on Golgotha. So let's look at uh, verses 14 through 17. Okay. I poured out. I am poured out like water. The emphasis uh, is excessive sweat. Of course, he's up there. He's in pain in the heat of the night. He can't do anything. He's sweating like crazy. All my bones are out of joint. After the person was nailed on the cross on the ground or uh, nailed to the cross on the ground, the cross was raised up to the vertical and dropped into a slot into the ground. The shock of this uh, action would cause dislocation because you're hanging on the cross. I'm not gonna do it right here. You're hanging on the cross, you're laying on the ground. They didn't go through your right here because that would have just ripped right through, okay? It would have ripped right through your fingers. They They pierced right here. It's been proven. This is where it's pierced. That right there, there's nothing right there. The weight of a man, uh, a sack of potatoes would rip right through this. That's why it's right here. It goes right through your wrist and that's what's gonna hold them. So when you just laid down the cross and you're, you're nailed to the cross and you're lifted up and it drops into this hole, that that action of dropping dislocated. Uh, probably your shoulders, uh dislocated that most likely dislocated your shoulders pot possibly whatever uh pulling your arm but it definitely dislocate your shoulders so that's what he's talking about right there that uh your dislocations okay and then you look at my heart is uh like melted wax the hebrew phrase means a ruptured heart evidently by the pouring out of blood and water when he was pierced meaning he was already dead. Because if he was still alive when he was pierced, blood would be spurting because that means your heart is still pumping. Okay. But blood and water, water and blood came out, meaning that sack, I forgot what it's called, but there's that, uh, per, per, or per, anyways, there's that sack that surrounds a heart. That's a, a clear liquid came out first. And then blood that proved that he was already dead when he was pierced. Still violent. Uh, my strength is dried up like a pot shard means, his strength is just totally gone. He's hanging on the cross for how long? His, his strength is gone. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. The emphasis means extra thirsty after six hours on the cross. Okay. Three of them in total darkness. Yeshua said, what did he say? I thirst. And then they stuck this uh, this mixture of, uh, was it uh, vinegar, and wine, spoiled, whatever. Uh, I forgot exactly and stuck it up to his face, which fulfilled this prophecy right here. Okay, they pierced my hands and my feet. The Hebrew word used for piercing is not the same that was used in Zechariah. Okay, the word used in Zechariah is 12.10. Okay, uh, where that's a prophecy that he was pierced. When we're looking at Matthew 24, and the Jews looked upon him whom they have pierced. That's what he's talking about. Okay, the word used in Zechariah means to thrust through, and would be consistent with the Roman uh, uh, spear that was pierced into his into his side. The word in Psalm would be uh, the word in Psalm twenty-two would be used for an example, uh, like an ear piercing, and would be consistent with the nailing of uh, of Yeshua's hands. And feet. So when they look at that right there, the, the pierce my hands and my feet isn't like is not referring to the same thing. He's referring to him being pierced. Like I said, his hands and his feet being pierced. That's the same word he's using. And then I count all my bones, meaning his bones are protruding. And then just from the just that weird angle of him hanging on the cross, you know his bones and everything. It's just the way it was. And this is the interesting thing. They divide my garments among them. Psalm 22, 18. Okay. They divide my gar- my garments among them. Okay. In verse 18, Messiah's clothes are divided amongst the tormentors by the casting of the lots. And we can read that in Mark 15, 24. Excuse me. And it usually, it, and it's just literally, it fulfilled everything. Everything that was in Psalm 22 is being fulfilled in the New Testament. Okay. It's just it happens it was prophesied and it was fulfilled how can someone not see that especially they cast garments for his 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 cast lots for his garments what I meant to say it was all sewn it, it, there was no scene it was all sewn but like continuous it was just crazy okay Messiah's Prayer okay pray for help. Let's look at 19 through 21 and we'll probably wrap it up right here 19 through 21. Uh and then we'll finish it off uh yeah, we'll finish it off later cuz I've still got a I've, I've still got a bunch of some notes left, but we'll just finish off make it a short one later. But let's look at this. Uh 19 through 21. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. Oh, my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, My precious life from the power of the dog, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. Now I won't go into, and you answer me, it says, and again and this is what it means. And again, a cry for help from the Messiah while still hanging on the cross while he was still hanging. I can't imagine just the anguish of any individual. Just there, it's a slow. It could take days just to die because you 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 can't pull yourself up. Okay, the pain is too excruciating. Okay, that's where we got the word excruciating was from the crucifixion. That's where that word was came from. Okay, so it's like the most agonizing pain. You would have to. Your feet are, are are nailed, okay. To your feet are nailed, but you have this little board that is nailed to the to the cross underneath your feet, okay. So you're pushing up in order to breathe because when you're hanging down, because of the the position of your diaphragm, you can't breathe in. You can exhale exhale, but you can't breathe in. Okay? So you have to push up on the nails that were in your hands. You have to push up in order to take a breath in. And then when you go back down, you can exhale. But you gotta push like that. And because it was on Passover, they ended up breaking the legs. They started. Why did they start with the thieves? Well, because to them, they were just normal thieves. Jesus was the one that's been that, that was that was the one they wanted. So they broke their legs, fulfilling another prophecy that none of his bones would be broken. The Messiah, the, the, the Lamb of God was without blemish, without broken bones. but instead they pierced him. So they say the only wound the only the only things that were man-made, man-made that are going to be in heaven, are the, the five wounds, the five piercings that man gave Yeshua. One, two, three, and then on your feet, four, five. Those are the only man-made things that are going to be in the kingdom of God. Uh, so, with that, we're going to stop right there and then we're going to finish off. So that is, that is the the one part where we're talking about the suffering of the Messiah. Then we'll look at the other half, uh, the finishing of uh, Psalm 22. And it just goes right into where you can read through 22 through 31, the exaltation of the Messiah. And we'll look at that next time. Uh, But for right now, we're just gonna call it it night. And I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. I, I know I get passionate sometimes, but I get really excited about it because the more we study it and we more we look at it through a jewish mindset i think uh it enriches doesn't create our faith but i think it enriches our faith the more and more we study it with uh with a a jewish perspective uh on our gospel and when when we read the anything when, when we read any of the New Testament I think understanding that it was the the Jewish people that wrote it it was Jewish individuals that God selected and elected them to be a light unto the the rest of the world uh, and with that uh, I pray if you like it uh uh, hit the like button subscribe share it uh again i don't i'm not into numbers but i'm into more of uh if someone enjoys this share the message and if it's good great like it share it uh hit the subscribe button and let people know that you know what yeshua is alive and the best thing we can do for our jewish brothers and sisters that uh, have not yet found the messiah the jewish messiah in yeshua uh, is pray for him pray for the pray for the salvation of of israel pray for them to find uh and put their trust in the, the jewish uh, messiah with that uh, i love you guys and i will see you next time